Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Constitutionalist. I am your host, Ammo Dog, and it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, before we get started with just a handful of topics today, I um, just wanted to ask everybody to, if you would, please like, subscribe, share to this YouTube channel. Just helps me out quite a bit. Uh, if you want to, drop me a line in the comment section. You hear that on every uh, YouTube show, but <laughs> I guess it helps us out when you do that. So, and, and feedback is good um, by any way or means, whether good or bad. It just uh, helps one to improve in their content, and I'd appreciate it. So, if you want to send me an email directly, you can do that at uh, theconstitutionalist71 at gmail.com. Uh, we also do this as a podcast, so you can pick us up wherever you find your podcasts at. So thank you for indulging me for a moment on on that. So I only have a handful of topics today, but before getting started in that, I wanted to uh, reflect just for a moment because just yesterday, which was the 4th of December, there was a pretty... Uh, to me anyway, a pretty uh, significant milestone in American history that we had an anniversary of, and that is uh, General George Washington's uh, farewell to his troops. And this took place, again, it was in 1783 on December 4th, and I just have a couple of notes, and I'm going to kind of read them as they are. So the farewell address to his troops took place at uh, at a little, well, it wasn't too little, but a tavern known as uh, Frounce's Tavern in New York City. After he rallied his troops over to the uh, to that tavern, they weren't expecting uh, his resignation, and he made it known to his troops first what his intentions were, and the, that was to resign his commission, uh, forfeit the command of the Continental Army, and head back to uh, his beloved Mount Vernon to be a farmer, which is what he was doing before, and that's all he wanted to do. It's what he longed for. His wife, Martha, was there and uh, waiting on him. So, again, this final farewell took place at Francis Tavern in New York City. Um, Of course, all of this followed six years of brutal war against England uh, and culminated in the defeat of General... British General Lord Charles Cornwallis after the Battle of Yorktown in the year 1781. A thorough account of this farewell comes from uh, none other than Colonel Benjamin Talmadge, who in addition to commanding the 2nd Continental uh, Light Dragoons, was appointed as Director of Military Intelligence by Washington back in 1776. So these... I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with uh, Benjamin Talmadge. This guy was was crucial in the ultimate defeat of the British, and that is for the simple reason of him being appointed the uh, the director of military intelligence after several failures of uh, spying attempts uh, by. Well, several, but all of them, several individuals, but all of them were military. Uh, 
You see, so they were caught, immediately hanged uh, as a spy because they were they were military officers most of the time, but out of uniform and spying, which was a detestable thing back in those days. However, uh, Talmadge would become known for you know many things, but uh, probably most known for his. Uh, is creation of what would be known as the culprit spy ring that took place in New York and Long Island and Setauket and Oyster Bay and all of these places. Um, they really developed some ingenious ways to, uh, to report on troop numbers, ship numbers, cannon numbers, uh, forts, uh, just many different things and so if you ever if you ever get a chance to look up anything on the culper spiring it's absolutely fascinating you may or may not be interested in uh, amc's turn the the series that was out i think it was back in 2014 or 2015 but they take some creative liberty in that so not everything is 100 percent true but it certainly gives you the gist and puts you in the moment along with them and, and how absolutely terrified and anxiety ridden they must have been having to carry out these things always on the cusp of discovery but just getting away in the in the nick of time it's 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 harrowing so i would recommend that you guys check that out or any of the series of books that are out there on the culper ring or uh or check out the, uh, it, there's a lot of information even on YouTube, just little short uh, documentaries, if you will. So anyway, that's, I know that's, you know, uh, heading far away from what the intent uh, was here of Washington's final farewell. But uh, it is it is part of our history and it's just cool. You know, it's absolutely fascinating. So check it out. At any rate, what we, uh, what we find out is that uh, Benjamin Talmadge, wrote a memoir that where he detailed uh, the events of that meeting in that tavern. And what he said was, and I'm just going to read it for you guys because it's his words, uh, and Talmadge says, We had been assembled but a few moments when His Excellency entered the room, and after partaking of a slight refreshment in an almost breathless silence, the general filled his glass with wine. And turning to the other officers, he said, With a heart full of love and gratitude, I now take leave of you. I must devoutly wish that your latter days may be as prosperous and happy as your former ones have been glorious and honorable. Talmadge goes on to say, After that, the uh, the officers had taken a glass of wine. General Washington said, I cannot come to each of you, but shall feel obliged if each of you will come and take me by the hand. So there was a general, General Knox. He was standing closest to Washington, so he walked up to him first, and the two hugged uh, with tears running down their faces. And then he said in the same affectionate, this is Talmadge saying this uh, as a uh, kind of summary of what, what he witnessed, but he said in the same affectionate manner, every officer in the room marched up and parted with the general-in-chief. Such a scene of sorrow and weeping I had never witnessed before and fondly hope I may never be called to witness again. So he would, 
you know, you can you can imagine all of this, the emotion, um, all the hell these folks had been through for the last six years. And, you know, any of you out there who have who have uh, thrown a uniform on in, in your life in defense and service to our nation, you, you guys kind of and girls have, have a, a, a bit of a feeling about what these folks are, what, what Talmadge is describing here. But Washington would go on to embrace about 30 of his soldiers one by one, and then he left for Annapolis, Maryland, where he would resign his commission officially and head back to Mount Vernon for a relatively short time before he would be called again and serve as our nation's first president for two terms and then finally be able to get back to uh, Mount Vernon, where unfortunately he didn't really live that much longer, um, and he passed away there. At any rate, it's, it is fascinating stuff. It is moving, um, and it begs the question, in my estimation anyway, as to when, when you look at the care and the... the uh, you know the the love that he had for his troops and 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 populace. You know the whole population because it wasn't just military. They everybody knew Washington. They were all gathered around, thanking him, shaking his hand, hugging him, just extremely grateful for the sacrifices that he and all the others did. And they let them know it everywhere he went. You know Washington would go on a campaign of the South where 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 he would visit places like uh, Camden and, and and Camden, South Carolina, where two attempts to overtake uh, that British-controlled uh, place would fail miserably. And so he wanted to see it. He wanted to see what this little area was that uh, could never be obtained. Uh, of course, he went to Charleston and all these other little areas that all fell to the British. And, you know... All by horseback, mind you. You know, um, you can't even get President Biden to fly anywhere. You know, to 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 visit these these places where where trains derail and bridges collapse and all this stuff. And he just he doesn't go. You can't get him to the southern border to see what the deal is. And here you got Washington, who wasn't even the president then, but uh, just as well there were there weren't any presidents, but. You know, without a doubt, the most popular man in the nation at that time, and uh, and he's mounting a horse and riding all across the country and taking weeks, if not months, to get to certain places. And again, you can't get our freaking president to get on a plane and get there in an hour or so. And uh, anyway, I digress a little bit, but it it begs the question, though, doesn't it? It it makes you wonder it makes me wonder where where in the world are our washingtons where is the same level of of pride and 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 caring and concern that you obviously read about washington having for again not not just his 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 troops, but all Americans as a whole. When you look at the likes of folks like uh, 
Austin, you know, the the defense secretary, Floyd Austin, I don't see it there. You know, you, you, General Milley, for God's sakes, you know, chief of staff and uh, I I don't know, strange policies that were they're, they're, they're trying to to make the military like the civilian world, if you will, um, where social trends should also be adopted into the military because that's so important. You know, that has everything to do with fighting a war. And uh, it's absurd, ladies and gentlemen, is what it is. And uh, when you do a simple compare and contrast, if you will, I think we're severely lacking these days. You, You can't even, the numbers for recruitment are way down. No one wants to come in and I don't blame them. You know, I spent 22 years in the service. I talked about this before on this show but i saw some some deep changes and and you know everybody's gonna see you stay in anything for 22 years it's going to be different from the time you got in to the time you leave duh however when these differences are very odd policy changes that don't seem to really serve any any purpose they don't seem to aid the warfighter if anything, it limits the warfighter. It causes grave concern for the warfighter. It puts extra things on the warrior's mind where their mind should only be focused on the mission. And these these things were slowly happening, and it was my time to punch, and that's exactly what the hell I did. Now, you, ha- you know, we've come, this was in 2014, so... A handful of years have passed, unbelievably, since I retired. But um, nowadays, I'll, I'll tell you what didn't change. We never had a problem, even at the the, you know, at at the at the end of my career. You never had any problems recruiting. You know, sometimes you had issues with like the 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 guard and the reserves, but uh, you had special recruiters out there trying to meet those numbers. However, the active duty portion of 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 the military never heard such things. You know, they might not have been the target that they wanted. And, oh, we want this. But half the time, often they were trying to get rid of people because they had too much. You know, so anybody that had a blemish from 10 years ago on their record, mm, we're looking at it hard and you got to get out. You know, that's what was going on. They were thin in the herd oftentimes. I remember that many, many times throughout my career. But now I look in all branches, they can't meet minimum recruiting numbers is absolutely absurd and why would that be there's only so much you can blame on on a new generation you know who who you know whatever you want to call them uh that uh, who millennials uh, who who aren't interested there's i think there are plenty that are they just they're not stupid and they look at what's going on and they're like, man, I don't want to be a part of this. And I, I don't blame them. But at the same time, it's, it concerns me to my core that, uh, we have a hollowed out fighting force and it should concern each and every one of you. So yeah, I asked where, where is our, our general Washington? We as a nation begin to uh, suffer due to the ineptness of those that, that, claim to uh, want to help us that that grasp onto their power unrelentlessly 
and and will do anything to hang on to it for their own benefit, not for yours. At any rate, the General Washingtons, may he rest in peace and may his memory always uh, uh, equate to glory and honor. And I know it does for me. So um, you had, let's just discuss one of the first topics right now, the, the U.S. Navy being attacked in the Red Sea. Uh, you had a, a missile destroyer who was there in the Red Sea protecting some other commercial vessels and, and, and in their international waters, agreed upon international waters, I might add. But uh, they get attacked by drones and missiles. And, and even though the, 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 the naval ship was not damaged that we know of, it certainly was not for a lack of trying because you had drones firing on them and uh, missiles shooting over as well and they were this was a uh this was the uss carney and uh it is a a a missile destroyer so it was able to take a lot of these out while in uh, on route however some of them did slip through and that's where the damage to these these commercial vessels some of them u.s owned uh or operated took place so i don't know of any injuries to these uh civilian vessels but uh i i I certainly pray that no one is injured or killed, but you know this is all going on. This is a step up in this in the same kind of crap that's been going on over there. Because what about you? This comes like one week after our our military uh, was attacked at multiple bases in the Middle East. Uh, that has been going on for a couple of months now at several locations, all in the Middle East. Our military is being attacked. So you know the. This administration, the leadership of 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 your pre, our president, quote unquote, and 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 his military advisors are to respond by attacking a bunch of empty buildings. They attack our guys, injure them, our guys and girls, injure them some severely out here, and our response is to fire a, a, a missile or drop a bomb on an empty building. How is that? Uh, equatable you know what i'm saying so i don't know um but yeah he, and in and, and, and what you get from the white house uh when you when you watch these ridiculous press briefings you, you get things like oh well the, the the naval ship was not attacked let's be honest here it was not it didn't get hit doesn't mean that it wasn't attacked you morons i don't know it's there's just strange people these days I, I, very odd Look, even in, in the folks we know who attacked these, it's the, the Houthi terrorist organization funded by Iran, yet another proxy uh, entity that uh, they, they fund to carry out these attacks, probably with their orders as well. So they are backed by the Iranians. And who, where are the Iranians getting their money right now? They're getting it from us. We're, we're paying them $6 billion here and millions over here and allowing them to, to openly trade with oil and all this stuff. You know, we are essentially putting money in the pockets of Iran who then put that money in the pockets of organizations like the Houthis, um, Hamas, and Hezbollah, all of these terrible terrorist organizations that have done nothing but wield a campaign of rape, murder, torture, kidnappings. It's just disgusting what is going on and it's it's shameful to think that 
whether intentionally or unintentionally, regardless of those two, intentional or unintentional, definitely known about, it's shameful to 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 consider the fact that we might have played a part in that as this as this uh, as a nation. And um, what is the White House's answer to all this? They either downplay the attacks that are going on uh, on our on our military, both on land and at sea. They either downplay the attack or they just deny that uh, it was even attacked at all. You know, you got some in in up there on Capitol Hill just saying, oh, it didn't happen." You know, uh, come on, man. Uh, when, when you're when our military is attacked by foreign adversaries, our commander-in-chief either responds by targeting a bunch of empty buildings or denies that the adversarial attacks have taken place at all. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Joe, your military members, the ones that you were left leaving hanging out to dry, they, got, they can cast votes too. And it is my prayer and it is my hope my sincere hope and prayer that uh, not just the military that are being left out into the wind, but each and every one of us take a careful account of how things have been these last few years. That, uh, that we take these opinions of the last few years straight into that voting booth and ladies and gentlemen, uh, this will be, and I'll probably won't be very popular over this, but uh, maybe those who are like-minded that might listen, it will be a popular opinion. But come on, bottom line, in my estimation, the, this, this, the Biden administration was stolen from the Trump administration. I'll never believe anything else. Uh, for many reasons, we can get into that one another day. But uh, the only way to avoid something like this happening again in 2024 is not just to say, oh, gosh, it looks like a whole bunch of Republicans are lined up, you know, with their MAGA hats on or, or I love Trump or I'm a Republican T-shirts and hats on uh, and say, oh, that's enough. You know, I, I don't have to go. No, go over flood these voting booths with each and every concerned American who can see the writing on the wall. And I'll be 100% honest with you. I I would wager that there are many non-Republicans or conservatives that feel the same way. And maybe in your time, in your silence, in your home, in your prayer closet, whatever, whatever it might be, you can sit there and think, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to tell anybody, but uh, Biden's a complete moron. You know, um, he has ran this country into the ground. And I, I don't know how anyone, regardless of political affiliation, could not see such a thing. And it would be my hope that they're like, yeah, maybe I'll, you know, do a little lip surface to the uh, to the crowd. Yeah, yeah, woo, Biden. And then go in the booth and vote for Trump. Because let's face it, the, Trump is going to be the uh he's going to be the front runner you know he he's going to be the the guy to go against Biden once more there's too much strangeness going on and i, I it is like that with uh, with uh, any any party that is going to uh to to fight and claw their way to be their 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 party's uh representative to go to bat for the presidency right so the 
but when <laughs> so I, i'm sure it's like that you know regardless of of what affiliation you you fall under but you you know you got folks like uh ron desantis who at one time that that's the thing i mean come on take the blinders off each and every one of these folks that are on the campaign trail now for the uh for the republican presidency they all sang trump's praises every single one of them uh there's there's no way that anyone cannot recall that but if you listen to him now you know they swear they were bitter enemies all along you know oh god i never liked him bullcrap you accepted money from him you accepted endorsements from him to get you guys where you were uh democrats accepted money uh for for years for him from him and uh that's where you see all the photos of him and you know, Al Sharpton, arm in arm, buddy, buddy, uh, Jesse Jackson. He's standing at Ellis Island next to Rosa Parks winning that, that award. Uh, Muhammad Ali, he, he was with all of everybody, you know, uh, all from, from color to political affiliation. He mingled with them all, you know, and, uh, now suddenly he's the worst thing ever. So that's, to me, that's telling. And you gotta you gotta wonder when somebody wants you out so bad, you know why is that exactly? When all of the and it always seems to be one party. So all these Democrats fighting, you know, you got Trump and all multiple indictments, conveniently making sure that he doesn't you know he doesn't have the time to campaign. Come on, man, the timing is everything. And uh, I know y'all aren't blind out there, so. At any rate, if, 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 again, if you're a Democrat and, and you're seriously looking at things, you know, in your own time, I'm not talking about when you're with the boys and girls, you know, you got to, you know, you got to go with the flow or else, you know, I understand that. But uh, in your own time, when you're sitting there, you know, analyzing in your own mind, maybe, maybe pull up your bank account and stare at it, you know, uh, and then formulate your opinion going, you know, Maybe get some bank records from 2016 to 2020 in between those times and look at it. If you had investments or or a CD or something. And then if you still have investments, look at both of those, the bottom lines of those, and then, uh, then maybe make a decision. So at any rate, uh, yeah, on Meet the Press, you had Ron DeSantis out there looking into the camera, you know, uh, asking Trump, why he's running for president and said is if it's for revenge on your enemies then the country will suffer for that you know then he went on to say he's he's i'm focused on the folks and that i am the vessel uh but the the people are who i serve i'm just the vessel uh <laughs> ron who who desperately sought begged and received the uh the endorsement of the president is probably the number one reason why he sits in the governor's mansion now um and i look everybody wants a shot at the brass ring and i get it you know but uh trump trump scott he can only do four years and he did such great things such great accomplishments uh in his first four years so to me, it's like all you guys that are, are and girls that are running up there, you, 
fairly young, let this man do his job for four more years and set the stage for you guys to come in. And as long as you can stay out of the pockets of bureaucrats, which I don't think all of them do, as long as you can, you know, when Trump went, he would forfeit his paycheck all the time. I'm not saying you guys need to do that, but every one of you are wealthy. So why not? Why not pick a charity of your choice? You don't need that 200 and something thousand a year. Every one of you are millionaires. So uh, do a term. Show, you know, follow in the, in the, well, follow in the footsteps of Trump on that. But also in the, in the opinions way back during the founding father days of Benjamin Franklin, who it was his opinion that anybody, anybody that takes that, that office that goes into public service, any public service, it was his opinion, but especially the presidency should be, because it was men in those days, so he would say, the, they should already be a self-made man. They should not seek uh, monetary gain from public service. So you should already be successful when you go and assume uh, a high office such as the presidency. And... Uh, that way you are not looking for for monetary gain as a source of income you should not enrich yourself through public service you should already be enriched before you enter public service that was his opinion you know um i wonder if that's the case with folks like biden uh who's never done a damn thing except politics all his life and apparently that pays super well with his multiple homes and millionaire status and classic cars and classified documents stuffed in every one of them uh, and gets away with it scot-free. So, uh, you know, maybe being a politician uh, is pretty lucrative and uh, Teflon-ish where things don't stick to you unless your name is Trump, then you're screwed. But uh, at any rate, um, we're like Nancy Pelosi, you know, John Kerry. Look at all these guys. They're uber wealthy and they're politicians many of them have never done a damn thing else you know so that should tell you something right there uh and and uh obviously not taking benjamin franklin's words hard and they weren't rules but they were you know they weren't laws but they were highly suggested and, and you can understand why you know you can understand why he would say that I certainly do. So, I don't know. Here's the deal, though. Regardless of, 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 of the DeSantis's and his opinions on what should and shouldn't be when it comes to Trump, Trump, Trump is ahead of Biden by eight points, right? He's leaps and bounds uh, over DeSantis and any of the other candidates. You know, they're still dropping out like flies, right? And... Trump has never even done a debate, doesn't feel he has to, and it's completely understandable. Why should he waste time? You know, going over there trying to, he's already here, that way he can be here. Ahead is ahead, and that's what he feels right now. And I don't blame him. Plus, of course, he's being uh, chained down in all these stupid indictments. But, uh, yeah, there they would more want to concentrate on on the fact that he called his his uh his accusers and his detractors uh vermin 
suddenly that's like the the most horrible news you could you know that could ever come across the airwaves you know seriously vermin he referred to people that are unjustly trying to prosecute him bring up these bullcrap charges as vermin is that really the worst thing you ever heard trump call someone or say whatever stupid but uh so yeah who the hell cares about that uh but it's okay because he's you know what does that say about the other guys whenever you're 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 being weighed down in courts uh you're you, you know you're being investigated you on so many different levels so you don't even do a single debate and you're you're double digits ahead of every single one of them and at least eight points no matter how you look at it according to the newest harris poll uh ahead of biden and in every demographic and every uh concern out there you know what, what people talk about uh, b- whether you're black white woman man uh it doesn't matter uh, every you know class they take these polls that's he's he's eight points ahead of biden and everything they should be shaking in their crap and i hope they are the dims um because this is well beyond the margin of error and of course as we stated it's uh leaps and bounds ahead of any other republican candidate so um at any rate speaking of uh of of them trying to drag down uh uh trump in in court and all um some of the uh well not not some of them all of them is what is is what i had read uh the the january 6th deposition tapes so what these are of course i'm i know all of you know what a deposition is but um when they've created this ridiculous january 6th committee right um to investigate the 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 goings-ons that took place on january 6th um they obviously accused a bunch of people some people got sentenced they you know went to trial and some of them are rotten in prison right now with no uh speedy trial that they're offered a uh that they have a right to being taking place and uh so they deposed these guys and girls and they recorded them and there is a representative Barry Loudermilk, a Republican, who had requested these tapes from the January 6th committee. And um, and then he's told by a guy named Benny Thompson, who I, I, I don't really know who this guy was. I, I believe he was like the the intake of evidence person, but I'm, I'm, I can't be 100% sure. But anyway, Mr. Thompson then informs uh, Loudermilk that uh, the, the, those tapes have been deleted. You know, and when Loudermilk asked him why, how could you possibly delete these? He said, I just didn't see a need to keep them. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much in contrast to the House rules that state any kind of data and info used in any official capacity uh, or proceeding must be preserved. So once again, you have the, you got rules out there, but certain people don't have to follow them those are only for you not for me for thee not for me as you hear all the time but it's the truth um so they can go in and delete evidence all day long and 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 
the other question is, so if this is a House rule and that House rule's been broken, what are they doing about it? So this is where the Republicans piss me off too because they don't, they, they don't mind telling you. They don't mind putting it on the front page news. You know, God, look what the Dems have done. Well, what are you doing about it? How come if it's a Republican that the Dems feel this much has, has, has crossed the line, they're immediately investigated and prosecuted and it's all over the news, never ends? Look at Santos, for example. You know, regardless of what you think about Santos, he's out. We're going to be suffering uh, a, uh, a loss of a seat. And both idiotic Republicans and Democrats, you know, made sure, of course, Democrats made sure that uh, that he got expelled. But at any rate, this January 6th stuff, they were huge for the purpose of contrasting, uh, comparing and contrasting against the actual January 6th footage to ensure that fair investigations against these January 6th so-called perpetrators, they're important for that. You know, for the purpose of, of comparing what you saw on film to what they said when they were deposed. So anyway, you can't compare those anymore. That footage has been deleted. And it would have also been huge for the benefit of uh, President Trump's defense in his prosecution of so-called crimes stemming from the January 6th riots. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, these tapes were purposely erased. Let's not fool ourselves for one single moment. I don't know what to say about all this other than you, you're going to have a job to do this this coming year. So in November of 2024, if you are sick and tired of these things the way that I am, if you share even the slightest worry, you know, concern of where this country's heading, then by God, Let's do something about it already. And uh, short of that, folks, it's really all I got for today. Like I said, it's not a whole lot. I appreciate each and every one of you out there. Uh, the holidays are approaching fast. I pray that uh, everybody has, and I'll talk to you before then, but everybody has a wonderful season, a very Merry Christmas coming up, and a, and a happy and prosperous new year as prosperous as it can be with this idiot in but uh take care uh take care of each other keep the powder dry keep your head on a swivel and stay strapped and look out for one another all right uh until next time love each and every one of you uh remember that you were not born of weak men your founding fathers laid the road map down for us all and they overcame all, and we can too. Just take care of one another, and just you were not born of weak men. God bless you all. Talk to you soon. Bye.